The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It's 5 a.m. in New York, and here's your top five at five. Another takedown. Stocks could get slammed again. Futures, they are down big as inflation fears begin to rock this market. It's happening around the world as well. Asia and Europe both hit as one major index getting ready to snap an eight-month win streak with its worst month since the financial crisis. Let the fuel flow, the colonial pipeline back on, but it could still be days before supply gets back to normal and a number of stations around the country are without gas. Billionaire investor Harold Hamm weighs in and calls it a terror attack. Bitcoin bust, Elon Musk shopping, shocking the crypto community, making a U-turn on Bitcoin that has wiped billions off the market. And in it, to win it in Ohio, a multi-million dollar plan one governor is laying out to try to boost vaccination rates. It is Thursday, May 13th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Thanks for joining us here on Worldwide Exchange. The markets and your money are the story once again. This after the Dow fell nearly 700 points, almost 2% on a wild Wednesday, and the Nasdaq dropped more than 2.5%. And I'm sorry to say, it looks like it will not get any better today. Futures right now, they are down big again. Dow futures down 180 points, and NASDAQ futures off 35. Well, don't need to tell you, but we will. Yesterday was a tough day for investors, and trading volume was huge, nearly double the monthly average. Wow, look at that. The NASDAQ is now down three sessions in a row. Big technology stocks slammed, and much of it was due to something that we talked to you about a few months ago, gamma hedging or the options positions that many big hedge funds have have to be adjusted because of massive price swings that could add to the volatility. One reason, the VIX has spiked. Also, small caps, they got even smaller. With the Russell 2000 losing over 3% on Wednesday. It's not just options moves. Bonds and inflation data, also a big reason for the stock moves. Inflation running the hottest it's been since all the way back in 1980. Remember, inflation scares the market, and because, in part, it's a fear the Fed will have to put the brakes on their huge push to grow the economy by either raising rates, slowing bond buying, or both. It's another key read that's out with inflation today on producer prices that could either calm or worry the market even more. That number out at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Well, around the world, Asia, following our lead... On the way down, red across the board in Asia. Look at that. Europe just getting started as well. And a very similar story. One and a half to 2% drops there. Jumana Brissetti in our London newsroom with the early trade. 
And what is driving that action? Jumana, not a pretty morning for long investors. No, indeed not, Brian. Losses are accelerating across the board. Let me just take you to the Asian price market action. Shanghai Composite in China, relative outperformance here, only down about one percentage point. But bigger declines for the Hang Seng in Hong Kong, down about 1.8%. Remember, Alibaba reporting, so that's going to be a big focus for that market. The Nikkei, down another 2.5 percentage points. The index is now at a four-month low. Big losses for SoftBank overnight, down 8% for that stock, despite its bumper earnings. However, I want to take you to one index in particular we're watching very closely in Asia, and that is the Taiwanese index. And you can see here, this is the ETF that tracks the Taiwanese index, down six percentage points in overnight trading. It is down 12% for the month of May alone. So this index is very much in correction territory. And of course, they're very much weighed down by semiconductor concerns, as well as another wave of COVID. Over here in Europe, I've got to tell you, the picture isn't that much prettier. You can see a lot of red on the board as well. FTSE 100 down two percentage points in the UK. Strong declines led by basic resources, miners, some of the commodities names that had done so well at the beginning of the week, now pairing back some of those gains and in deep negative territory. Also, Burberry reported this morning that stock is down about eight percentage points, dragging down the UK index. Cacahont in France down 1.3 percentage points. Zetradax also down one and a half percentage points. Here, the declines are mostly led by autos. We're seeing very big selling in that space as well. BMW down about four and a half percentage points. So I got to tell you, Brian, the selling over here is pretty much broad based as well with every single sector trading in the red this morning. It's been many days since we have seen all the major indexes down that much. Jumana Brissetti in London. Jumana, thank you very much. All right, staying with the market and your money. Delano Sapporo is the founder of New Street Advisors. He is a CNBC contributor, and he kicks off our coverage right now. Delano, good to have you on right now on a day like today, a week, I guess, like this week has been. I mean, last Friday, a couple of trading days ago, we were talking about new highs, and we hadn't seen a 1% drop in almost two months. Well, shame on us for saying that. Maybe we jinxed it. What do you think has changed so much in just a matter of days. Yeah, Brian, thanks for having me on. I think you mentioned it earlier, is just really the inflation fears. And, and that was the biggest thing that uh, gave jitters to the market yesterday. And then the sell-off, and the, the sell-off was, was obviously significant uh, for that day. And we haven't seen that for a bit. Um, I think going forward, you know, today and, and, and tomorrow, the biggest, you know, kind of, you know, things we want to watch for the market, what happens um, going forward the next couple of days will be telling as far as how the investor sentiment is looking. But I think the biggest thing was was looking at the inflation data. It kind of, you know, sent jitters uh, slightly, you know, through through some investors. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a shocking turnaround in 72 hours. We get the producer price index at 830 a.m. today. Another big reading on inflation. Delano, if that number comes in hot, right now the expectations are the Federal Reserve will not raise interest rates likely before 2023, skipping all of next year. Do you think there's a chance the Fed will have to raise rates well before that? I think that'll be, it'll be just to tell. I think the Fed is, is pretty maintained that um, this is transitory and, and that we would see, you know, things, you know, kind of taper off there as far as, you know, the inflation and the price increases. And so I think they're going to stick kind of with that with that mandate. And I feel like, you know, if the markets are which which have really relied on the Fed and our and our, our government to really, you know, set the tone a lot of times for the market. 
Um, that would be the biggest thing as far as investors gaining confidence uh, back into being, you know, more more on a on a long 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 trend again, right? And so I think that's going to be the biggest things for investors. You know, I thought we'd have more defense. The cyclicals, as, as you mentioned yesterday, there was really nowhere to hide in the markets, and you know, really energy was the only area where you could possibly see some upside. But um, even you know, if you look at the crypto markets, they were also battered with some different things in tweets. So there wasn't really much area to hide. So I think investors need some sort of confidence. And the Fed has been, you know, able to provide that in in the past. I love investors. I love our audience. And I'm going to take a little shot at them right now. They may not like it at 5, 10 in the morning, Delano. Everywhere in our lives, we look. We look for discounts. Can you take the price off this? Can I haggle down the price of a car? Can I get this on sale? Everywhere but the stock market. I I understand it's painful when there's a lot of red. You look at your portfolio online. You go, oh, my gosh, on paper, I'm down this. Don't we want these cooling off periods? Don't we want valuations to maybe get tweaked back to more reasonable levels? Don't we want to buy at a discount? Yeah, right. I I would actually agree with you. I know we had you guys had a guest um, to talk about, you know, uh, uh, the, that was a boomer term to talk about bubbles and not saying that we are in some sort, sort of bubble. But, you know, as you mentioned, you know, in March and April, we we're up 5.4 percent and S&P was up, you know, around 4 percent uh, respectively. So, you know, there's opportunities for investors to say, OK, we've cooled off a little bit. And sometimes that's not always mm-hmm. bad. Right. They talk about the growth. Growth stocks have been flying high. So it's an opportunity for investors to look at different areas where they have the highest conviction. If the valuation has gotten yep. a little bit better, a little bit sweeter, they can take an opportunity to jump in there and be long uh, for the long term. So where are some of those investors right now, Delano? Um, I talked about Roku. They had strong earnings. They're looking at streaming advertising revenue increasing. So uh, investors should kind of look at areas where they think that there's some high conviction for them. We will. We will. Roku. Delano Sapporu, great to have you on this morning. Big day. Need the calming words. Delano, have a good one. Know you'd be busy. Thank Thank you. All right, when we come back, the very latest on the Colonial Pipeline and what billionaire energy investor Harold Hamm told us about the hack attack. Plus, rate risk, the road to recovery, and going back to the office in New York. BNP Paribas USA CEO Joni Filion coming up in a worldwide exchange exclusive. And later on, a one-on-one with North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum. His take on the pipeline attack, why he's ending expanded unemployment benefits, And going back to in-person conferences, there is a lot more to do. Dow futures down 170, and we are back on a Thursday right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Yeah, look at that. Yesterday, Dow laggards. Now, these are extended hours. This is right now. Live pricing, not yesterday, and it may not get a lot of better for some big names. Goldman Sachs down another one and a half percent. Although, remember, it was coming off an all-time high. Disney, IBM, Coca-Cola, all in the red this morning. 
All right, welcome or welcome back and good Thursday morning. It's 513 here on the East Coast. Let's now get the very latest on the Colonial Pipeline. And it is back on. The company resuming operations as of 5 o'clock Eastern time last night. It had been offline since late Friday night. But just because it is back on does not mean the problems are off. Colonial saying it will take several days for supplies to return to normal. And while Colonial gets back on track, the Biden administration says it is temporarily easing century-old shipping requirements that allow foreign tankers to transport gasoline and diesel to fuel-starved areas of the country. In other words, you could take a foreign flagship, load it with gasoline in Houston, and bring it into Newark. Now, as supplies do get back up to speed, the situation is still dire in many parts of the Southeast. According to the latest Gas Buddy numbers, 71% of gas stations in North Carolina are out of gas, wiped out. 52% of Virginia, another half in South Carolina, and a half in Georgia as well. Wow. Well, while the Colonial may be back up and running, the cyber threat remains ongoing as well. The Russian-based hacker group DarkSide, which claimed responsibility for the attack, says it has targeted three other companies around the world. The FBI warns its threats may not be credible, and its claims should be treated as potentially misleading. In the wake of all of this, we spoke with billionaire energy investor and Continental Resources founder Harold Hamm at the Williston Basin Petroleum Conference in North Dakota yesterday. He says this latest hack is akin to a terror attack. Brian, it's certainly a prime example of just how vulnerable uh, that our country is. And, you know, we, we need administration to step up. Uh, and, it's, it's, you know, it's not just about private companies. I mean, this this is about consumers. And uh, they're taking the brunt of this. You shut down a network like this. I mean, uh, you know, regardless of what it is, uh, uh, you know, it's all about private companies. That's what runs America. But it also affects uh, consumers. So, you know, if those terrorists, and that's what it is, we're, we're facing terrorists out here demanding these bribes extortions uh, to keep us, uh, you know, delivering our services. And, you know, it, it's got a, it's got a, it's got, it's a national importance uh, that uh, we shut it down. This has been going on far too long. Strong words there from billionaire Harold Hammond. You can find our full conversation with the Continental Resources founder on CBC.com. By the way, at probably the first in-person conference in America since the pandemic began. All right, on deck. They used to say a dollar and a dream. But now in Ohio, the governor is saying a jab and a possible jackpot. Plus, Elon Musk's U-turn wiping billions off crypto's market cap. What he did, and as Bitcoin owners fuming ahead, Dow futures down 203. We are back after this. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, welcome back. It is now time for your big money movers, stock stories that you have to know about. Let's go. First up, Sonos. Shares soaring after the maker of speakers swung to a surprise second quarter profit and raised its sales outlook for the year. 
company believes it can work through the global semiconductor shortage to meet the new forecast and keep getting you products. Next up, Vroom. No, that's actually the name of the company. The used car seller reporting a smaller first quarter loss, revenue jumping nearly 60%. Online sales of cars nearly doubled and gross profit per car up 14%. Everybody buying a used car these days. Vroom also expects revenue to come in well above estimates for this quarter, stock up 8%. And finally, not one stock, but a group of them. The home builders. Wow, that sector been red hot, feeling the pain this week. Look at the S&B home builder ETF, the XHB. It's up fractionally in the pre-market right now, but it's on pace to snap a 10-week win streak, which is the longest since that ETF began trading in 2006. It's down 8.5% this week. The biggest droppers in that ETF, names you know. Toll Brothers off 12% this week. Lennar down 7 on pace for their worst week in more than a year. And it's not just the builders. Home Depot and Lowe's both losing 6% of their value just since Monday. All right, vaccine lotteries, Bitcoin, and a for hire sign. Let's get right now to today's top trending stories. Our friend Tessa Brewer is here. Tessa, take it away. (laughs) That's what my closest friends and family call me, Brian. Thank you for that. Hey, you know, they say you have to be in it to win it in Ohio In it means a needle in the arm, jab for jackpot, so to speak. From May 26th to June 23rd, one adult each week who has received at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine will receive a special million-dollar jackpot in the state's lottery draw. So you have a chance at a million dollars. For those ages 12 to 18 who, starting today, are now eligible for a shot, they will be entered into a lottery for a four-year full scholarship, tuition, and accommodation included to any state college or university. If it were me and I was a teenager, I'd be like, give me the million dollars. Thanks. Talk about trial by fire. Colonial Pipeline is looking for a new cybersecurity manager. The job listing on LinkedIn looks to have been posted three months ago. But whoops, looks like Colonial didn't find a new hire in time. So much for that. After just two months, Elon Musk says Tesla will no longer accept Bitcoin as payment for its cars and Cybertrucks out of concern that Bitcoin mining contributes to a greater consumption of fossil fuels. Musk also disclosed Tesla will stop selling parts of its $1.5 billion Bitcoin hoard. And that move wiped out as much as $365 billion from the entire cryptocurrency market, although prices have stabilized Somewhat since then. I mean, I don't know. Look you know, when I first saw the stories together, Contessa, I, Tessa, I, I'm proud to be in that small but, but important group, I hope. When I saw those stories, I thought, let's combine them. Let's offer a million-dollar bonus to whoever takes the cybersecurity job at Colonial. Then I thought, you won't need to because there's nowhere to go but up. That job should be easy to fill, right? I mean, no matter who takes it, no matter what you do, you're probably going to look pretty I almost said a different word, doggone good. Yeah, you know, though, it seems like a mighty challenge for all of these. I mean, the demand right now for cybersecurity experts is very high because we know that ransomware attacks and the malware attacks. If you're willing to take this job right now, it seems like there's no place to go but up. But given the severity of these cyber attacks, who knows? I mean, it could be a big job. 
Hey, very quickly, I know you're our gambling guru, okay? I'm still bitter because I picked Mandaloon to win. Medina Spirit, I guess, is still there. I didn't get paid. I'm frustrated. You got the Preakness this weekend. Medina Spirit is running, correct? That's right. The, the horse is running. Uh, right now, it's the favorite. I'm actually heading to Maryland today for some Preakness reporting tomorrow because I want to talk to the gamblers about how they're feeling about Medina Spirit and this whole issue of integrity. Contessa Brewer down at Pimlico on a Friday. Go to Fells Point. Bertha's Muscles. Tell Charm City we said hello, Bertha. Uh, you know, we, we miss it and bring back some Bertha's Muscles. Tessa, thank you. Okay. Bye, Brian. I wonder how many people are going to be in the infield. Like the keg stands, I have a feeling that's not going to happen this year. All right. On deck. A worldwide exchange exclusive with BNP Paribas USA CEO Jean-Yves Fillion. His take on the recovery, the Fed, the ECB, and a return to the office in New York. Dow futures off 178. We're back after this. Stocks rock. Futures down big again as everything seems to have changed in just a matter of days. We'll find out why. One reason, higher prices, inflation coming in hot, the worst since 1980, with another big number due out today. And a huge part of higher prices is because of you, and why you getting back on a plane is a big reason why inflation is sky high. We'll connect the dots in your morning RBI on this Thursday, May 13th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, welcome or welcome back and good Thursday morning, everybody. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm Brian Sullivan. Let's get right now to the markets and your money because they are the story once again. And futures not looking like we are going to have any kind of a turnaround for the losses of the last few days. Futures are down again, not as much as they were. You want some bright spots? I'll give it to you. Dow futures down 160. They were down 200 a couple of minutes ago. NASDAQ futures not in the green. They're down 16. But again, down less than half of what they were when we began the show at 5 a.m. All right, pre-market losses over the past several hours. Dow futures indicating we are likely to drop again. But as you can see, a little, a little tick higher there in the last few minutes. Now, this morning's action coming after the Dow fell nearly 700 points, nearly 2% on a wild Wednesday. The Nasdaq now down three sessions in a row. It lost 2.5% yesterday alone. Big technology slammed again, inflation concerns, fears about the Fed, and hedge funds changing options positions. Remember, it's called gamma hedging. Get to know it the next day or two, all a big part of why the market has tumbled the last few days. Really, it's kind of been the perfect storm. And there is another big inflation data point out later on this morning, the producer price index, 8.30 a.m. Eastern time. Maybe you could help rescue the market or send it sinking further. What well, is not just stocks? Crypto also getting hit the last couple of days and down again this morning as well. Let's get a quick check. We are seeing Bitcoin down 13%, Dogecoin off 32% as well, and Litecoin down 12.5%. The Elon Musk U-turn on using Bitcoin to buy Teslas, that may be also piling on the crypto carnage. Well, not to pile on more... But if it seems like it has been a rough week for many stocks, you're right. It has. Look at these declines since we kicked off trading Monday morning. Tesla down 14 percent. 
the ARK Innovation ETF, Kathy Wood, down 8%. Google, Apple, Microsoft, all losing 5% or more just since Monday. By the way, with that move, Apple's now down 7.5% on the year. Incredibly, only six S&P 500 stocks are higher this week. Six. I can read them. Alexion, Regeneron, Gilead, Atlassian, Seagen, and Peloton. Yeah, Peloton. Ironically, Peloton, which suffered a crushing recall recently of its treadmill, is the best-performing stock in the S&P 500 this week and one of the few that is higher. All right, stepping out of the markets, now to some of this morning's other top stories, including another fatal Tesla crash that is being investigated. Contessa Brewer is back with that. Contessa. Brian, let's start with Boeing, though. The aerospace giant is getting FAA approval for fixes to an electrical problem. That issue had grounded more than 100 of its 737 MAX jets. And it's official. Children ages 12 to 15 can now receive the Pfizer COVID vaccine as early as today. It comes after the CDC announced its recommendation for the expanded usage of the vaccine. And a federal vehicle safety authority is investigating a fatal Tesla crash in Southern California. That collision involved a Model 3 that slammed into an overturned semi last night. The NHTSA has now started 29 probes into Tesla-involved accidents. You can see Tesla is off an extended trading by a percent. Brian? All right, Contessa Brewer, thank you very much. All right, now back down to the markets and the global economy. And BNP Paribas certainly is a bank that is en feu, on fire. Their last quarterly results showed that net income was up 38% from a year ago. Revenues up 8.5%. And the company globally did 112 billion euros in financing in the quarter. They also have nearly 14,000 employees in the United States and run the Bank of the West. We are pleased to be joined once again now by Jean-Yves Fillion. He is the CEO of BNP Paribas USA. Uh, Jean-Yves, it's a pleasure to have you back on again. You are a long term market participant. I certainly understand that you are not a day-to-day trader, but you do have day-to-day trading at your bank. Uh, Are you concerned about what has happened to equities the last couple of days? Well, Brian, first first and foremost, it's a pleasure to be on your show as always. Uh, I think you said it very well already. You know, we all know that, you know, peas were probably close to uh, an all-time high. I believe that what we're seeing today is uh, readjustments, which I think occur uh, at times of uh, volatility and uncertainty. Um, If I look at the European market where, um, you know, the economic rebound is lagging a little little bit behind the U.S., uh, I see their equity markets doing pretty well, and maybe there is there a bit more room for upside over the next few weeks as uh, the vaccination process there seems to be going on a better trend. Okay, let's stick with that then, Johnny, because you you have a retail bank, you have an investment bank, you have commercial banking and trading. The U.S. is ahead of Europe in vaccination rates, but Europe has started to see some signs of life in both vaccination and the economy. Do you, from where you sit, see any direct connection between economic activity and vaccination Mm -hmm. rates? It's a great point, Brian. You know, it's early on. Uh, However, data is quite promising here. Uh, I I would say vaccination is one of the many factors that is leading to reopening. 
But to your point, if we want to try to see a connection, I think there is. If you look at the United States where vaccination is going well, you know, vaccinating around 2 million to 3 million Americans a day, uh, expectation for GDP growth in 2021 annualized is around 7%. If you look at Europe, take the UK where vaccination has been going quite, uh, has been quite effective there, expectation for GDP growth is around 6 and Europe is lagging, but vaccination process is better, we're now expecting a GDP growth around 4%. And I do believe there is some uh, connectivity between the two, but, uh, you know, I think uh, uh, time will tell. Prices running hot, inflation suddenly the word of the week. It's hitting the equity markets, Jean-Yves, here. We're starting to see prices tick up in Europe as well. You have a massive fixed income division. A lot of debate about the Fed. Is the Federal Reserve here doing too much? Does it need to pull back? And is maybe the European Central Bank not doing enough? How do you see central bankers both here and in Europe doing their respective jobs? You know, it's another excellent point, uh, and you have an excellent view of the transatlantic dimension here. Uh, same thing. It's very early on. I don't think we've ever seen, you know, uh, global economies being stopped uh, the way they were and just, you know, rebounding massively the way they are today. Then what I can, what I can share here is, uh, as you said, I think a retail activity, wholesale activity, what I've seen is without the, you know, uh, Fed uh, intervention, liquidity injections, government programs, um, uh, accommodative monetary policies on both sides, by the way. I don't think we would have benefited from, you know, the capital markets we've benefited here and in Europe. And it's been a massive stabilizer for uh, capital markets, but really for the economy. Then is there going to be a need for adjustments going forward? Possibly. I, I think the central banks, Brian, are pretty well equipped to adapt and adjust and monitor any of these excesses triggered by um, massive accommodative policies. We, we, we just talked about in the intro, 112 billion euros in financing across the BNP Paribas family globally. I mean, we're focused on the United States for the most part, obviously, Jean-Yves, huge GDP estimates that are here. But the global expansion, is it truly global? Do you feel like, from your perch, the world is set to boom post-pandemic as well? Or really, is it kind of a, a U.S. and maybe slightly European phenomenon? I think it's, it's pretty clear that the U.S. is leading uh, in terms of uh, economic rebound. I would say here it's a turbo charge. Uh, economic recovery. As I just mentioned, our economists are expecting a 7% GDP growth for, you know, 2021. But I, I don't think it's unique. Uh, uh, you just, you know, uh, rightly mentioned Europe. Uh, there, similar uh, approaches have been taken. You know, uh, monetary policy, very accommodative. Uh, use of the balance sheet, Massive fiscal policies, Brian. Uh, fiscal policies in Europe can be as high as anywhere between 10 to 15 percent of GDP, mm -hmm. which I see a similar trend here, and uh, it's really uh, helping a lot in terms of uh, uh, re re restarting the economies there. Okay. Not to mention that I see a lot of uh, investment in infrastructure, uh, in sustainability and in digitalization, which, by the way, I believe will benefit, will be mutually beneficial to both sides of the Atlantic. 
Can't let you go without this. You have 14,000 employees in the United States. Many of them work in your gleaming office tower on 7th Avenue and 51st Street in Manhattan, many of whom might be watching right now, Jean-Yves. What can you tell them about their likely return to the office? When will your employees, your traders, your bankers, everybody be coming back to the building in New York City? And you know this building pretty well, Brian. We've had the pleasure to host you several times uh, on 787 7th Avenue. Listen, in my position as CEO, my absolute priority is the safety of our employees. And today, uh, we're still uh, with only you know, 10% of our staff working on premises, meaning we're still very digital and working from home. Having said that, if the trends you and I just discussed you know, are uh, confirming and reinforcing themselves, we were really planning on gradually uh, uh, having our employees come back to the office. By the fall, we expect, uh, if things continue to go well, to probably have around 40% of our employees on premises, but on a very different model. The hybrid model is here to stay. You can expect, depending on where uh, staff works, you know, to have mm-hmm. employees on premises anywhere between one or two days uh, a week uh, uh, here, and 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 the rest, you know, working from home. Uh, and and listen, there is no question. We've been very mm-hmm. effective, you know, working from home, being digitalized. As you said, the bank has really done very well for the pandemic supporting clients, but uh, uh, there is something I really miss. I miss the the personal interaction. I wish I was like we always do with you in the same studio, you know, in person, and that's that's what I miss here, and I really look forward to get back with more personal interaction. Uh, It's the best way to be creative, to innovate. Another point I wanted to make, which I think you covered well in your show, Brian, Uh when I think about the junior staff, you know, the staff we hired last year, uh, uh, brilliant, you know, young uh, bankers, they've not been on premises, they they haven't met their bosses, they Mm -hmm. haven't, you know, uh, it's very complicated to convey companies' values digitally. Then I really look forward to the new normal. A lot harder for the younger workers out there. We will be in person again. Johnny Filion, CEO of BNP Paribas USA, a real pleasure. Thank you, Johnny. It's a privilege, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. All right, Delian. All right, up next, the attack on the Colonial Pipeline, sparking all kinds of questions about the safety of the nation's energy supply. We'll speak with the governor of North Dakota, Doug Burgum, about what they're doing next. The attack on the Colonial Pipeline has sparked conversations about cybersecurity and energy infrastructure all across America. North Dakota, one of the most important states for oil, gas, and all things energy. We spoke with North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum at the Williston Basin Petroleum Conference about what the response need to be from both state and the nation around the Colonial Pipeline. Brian, this is not a new thing. I mean, this is... uh... Was it cybersecurity was an issue pre-COVID? During COVID, the cyber attacks on the state of North Dakota increased over fivefold. And, and here we are as a state. I'm talking about our cities, our school districts, the state of North Dakota. Uh, and those cyber attacks are coming often from state-sponsored cyber terrorism. I'm talking North Korea, Iran, China, Russia. Uh, when, I, when we get attacked, uh, then... It's really right now it's up to the state. We're the first line of defense against foreign national attacks. Uh, and whether this attack on the Colonial Pipeline was done by a 
a, a gang, if you will, uh, ransomware uh, with those kinds of incentives, it's really not just an attack on the pipeline. This is an attack on the American people. It's an attack on the American consumer in terms of uh, insecurity relative to mm-hmm. you know fuel supplies and increased prices. And as a country, we have to understand that we may not think we're at war, but Cyber war is war. That's the future of war. And we are under attack and we need to keep investing in educational levels at the state level, at the federal level of increasing what we're spending, whether it's a DOD uh, or at all of the levels on cybersecurity, because this is a battle that we can't afford to lose. Well, speaking of jobs and jobless benefits, I'm sure, Governor, you know, you're going to take some hits if you have not already. Uh, for deciding that you will end the federal unemployment participation program in North Dakota, and I believe mid to mid to late June as well. Uh, why do that? People will say, well, how can you do it? There's a lot of people want to work. They can't go to work because maybe the school is closed or they're afraid of COVID or they already had it, or it's just not the situation where it's safe enough to go back at perhaps the wage they would earn. What is your response? Well, we talked about this earlier, Brian, but when we've got vaccines available for for all eligible people in our state that's available right now, we've got safe work environments, our schools are open, our businesses are open, and the biggest thing holding us back right now is workforce. We've got as many as three to four times as many jobs available in our state as we have people that are on these federal unemployment programs. We're going to maintain our state programs. Our state programs have always been very generous among the highest paid in the country. But when you throw, you know, $300 on top of that, uh, it just doesn't make any sense for us. We can't afford to print money at the federal level to pay people to not work when we've got great jobs with great pay, with great benefits and safe working environments for them today. So uh, you're saying maybe taking some hits. Uh, Literally, we're getting a resounding applause uh, from the business community and from those people that are working because people that are working are often working extra shifts and overtime because they're trying to pick up for all the open work. So getting everybody back on the playing field and working uh, is something that we're committed to doing. And we've received enormous support from the business community with this decision. That was Republican Governor Doug Burgum of North Dakota at perhaps the first major in-person conference since the pandemic began. Our thanks to him. All right, coming up, futures pointing to another big drop at the open. Dow futures down 160. Carrie Firestone is here. will tell us how she is advising clients this morning. And then in the next hour, do not miss a big CNBC exclusive with billionaire investor and SoftBank CEO Masayoshi Son. That's a big one. Plus... If you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast. What are you waiting for? My giant head not included. Dow futures down 165, NASDAQ off 60. We're back right after this. All right, welcome back. No time for the RBI today. It will be back tomorrow. It's a big day because right now we have gotten right to the markets and your money after what has been no (laughs) understatement, a rough few days for stocks. Dow futures down 160. It looks like the Dow could post losses again. Big tech hit. Many key names hitting key levels. Apple, below its 200-day moving average for the first time in more than a year. Amazon, also below that 200-day moving average level as well. Google, hovering right above the 50-day level. We bring that up because it has not closed below that since January 15th. Let's make sense of all of this and bring in our friend Kerry Firestone, Chairman, CEO of Aureus Asset Management, CNBC contributor, Halftime Star. Uh, Kerry, it's great to have you on this morning. Is this really... All just inflation fears. I mentioned gamma hedging 
earlier, right? These these wonky notions of options trading. There seems to be a lot going on under the hood. Inflation shouldn't be new to anybody. Well, obviously, the market is worried about inflation. And it doesn't matter what the Fed or the Treasury Secretary says. It's the old sell in May and go away is what really started to develop momentum in the last week. You know, the S&P is off 4% from its high. NASDAQ is 7 plus percent from the peak. And, you know, if you think about what happened last April, Brian, we were entering kind of a period of lockdown. I mean, we didn't have any idea what was going to happen. And prices were very low. So there was deflation last year. No one could sell anything because everybody was was shutting down. Of course, inflation is going to be up this this month, year over year. And I'm not a panicky person. We don't panic here. I think it's important to wait and see what happens next month rather than sell a portfolio where there's a lot of gains, considering how much the market has moved in the last year, you know, paying taxes and buying stocks uh, again a couple of months later. And remember, last year in April and May, everyone just said, sell, sell. It's COVID. You don't know what's going to happen. And that was a big mistake. So, no, we don't think that you have to just, you know, divest a whole portfolio because we've had a week of rough sailing in the market and some sign that we've got inflation versus last year. Fair enough. But I I bring it up, Carrie, because of this. You know what hasn't moved? And that is the bond market. At least it hasn't moved the last few days. It did move off its lows. It was a 0.6, 0.5% yield. So maybe the bond market moved months ago in anticipation for this moment. But it's not like the bond market is throwing a tantrum yet. Do you expect it to? Or was that December to March move sort of already, quote, the tantrum? Yeah, I think some of that is priced into, into the bond market. Uh, I think it's been encouraging that, you know, if you looked at the fears about interest rates two months ago when the market had a swing, remember, in February, the Nasdaq dropped 10 percent from mid-February to mid-March. And that was all about interest rates. Um, And then rates stabilized. So they've been in this range of, you know, one six to one seven. I, I know that rates will probably go higher, but the market Two months ago, the bond market, the stock market acted as if we were going to be at 5% inflation, some uh, 5% interest rates sometime next year. And I, I think that's unlikely now. So I'm, I'm encouraged by the fact that there's not panic in the bond market. You know, you, you also have to take into account what's going on underneath the coverage. You know, we have had some bubbles burst over the past couple of months. If you look at the highest priced cloud computing electric vehicle stocks, you know, you just priced on fumes, uh, no pun intended, but whether it's Tesla or Snowflake, DoorDash, Airbnb, MongoDB, I mean, I can go on and on. These are the ARK Invest portfolio. Those companies selling for 14 or more times sales, you know, not talking about earnings, those stocks have really fallen. They fell in February and they're down again another 15% more recently. Those bubbles are bursting, and that's something that one would expect in a market that has some of the frothiness. We're not really seeing that in terms of valuation when it comes to big tech names. Those stocks are not overpriced in the way certain sectors of technology are. 
S&P Ford, P.E. 22, but if you take out the big tech stocks, it goes down to something like 16. They're a huge weight, both for good and bad. We call it bubbles bursting. We call it selling. The reality is it's money raising, right, Kerry? When someone sells, they're putting money into their pocket. Unless they leave the market forever, that money is going to go somewhere. Where do you? It's like the Gretzky moment. Go where the puck is going to be. Where do you think money should be put into the stock market right now? Yeah, I love that analogy. Uh, I think that some of what's happened is that money has come out of the big tech names, the FANG stocks that are enormous market cap and gone into some of the more speculative areas of of the market. I mean, whether it's um, Bitcoin or any of those names I suggested, uh, and some of that money could come back into the big tech. Now, the reopening stocks have been very strong. They are not cheap anymore. If you look at what's gone on with industrials, industrials, financials up, you know, 16 to 25 percent this year. You're, you're not talking about low multiple stocks in many cases. Uh, and the, the big technology stocks have come down in price. Not only are their earnings much higher for 2021 than had been expected, if you looked at earnings forecast for last year, but the stocks have underperformed. So some of that money that's leaving the frothy stocks may move back into Apple, Facebook, Google, Amazon over the next you know, month or two, because those have not moved. And the growth rates of those companies are certainly a lot higher than, you know, no disrespect, but Emerson Electric or Deer Caterpillar that sell for the same or higher multiples than some of the large tech. So we see that there being some move back. But also, it's really important to have a balanced portfolio and not put all your chips in one basket or one theme. If you just own the yeah. reopening stocks, it's like market timing. I don't think that's a place to, to, yeah. to really put all of your, your assets. And maybe it's a good thing not to have all the capital in a couple of companies based in a small town or a valley in California. Throw it into a big industrial name based in maybe the middle of Illinois, for example. It's good, perhaps, for geographic distribution. Kerry Firestone of Aureus, always a pleasure to have you on. Words of wisdom, calming words. We need them, Kerry. Have a great day. Thank you. You too, Brian. All right. You're very welcome. All right. So perfect day to have Kerry on. And we leave you, folks. We'll see you tomorrow. Squawk is next. Dow futures off 140. NASDAQ down 25. NASDAQ futures off their lows. But a lead on the red on the screen here in Asia and in Europe. Big market day. Squawk and the gang have your coverage next. We'll see you tomorrow on a Friday. Take care. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.